down to Y Food, the edge facing back right on. The only podcast taking you under the helmet. Expert analysis breaking down the quarterback play in the NFL each weekend. Don't that feel good when your crowd behind you? Let's give them something to cheer for now. This is Inside the Pocket with your host, Greg McElroy. Welcome in. It's Inside the Pocket. I'm your host, Greg McElroy, along with Andrew Emmer. We are really looking forward to breaking down some of the quarterback matchups that we saw from week 13. It was an excellent week of quarterback play. I think collectively, could be wrong, but I think collectively it was the highest total QBR that we've seen collectively across the league this year. It was certainly in the mix. It was 55.8. So that's about 50 is about average, so to speak. So 55.8 as far as league average over the course of one week sample size is quite good. Uh, So very good quarterback play. The one very disappointing performance that we had was Justin Herbert, but that's okay. He's a rookie. It it happens. Okay. (laughs) A rookie going against Bill Belichick. It happens. We're not going to kill him here on this program. That's for sure. He's had such a remarkable year and deserves to be commended for some of the things he's been able to pull off. The best performance by a quarterback this past weekend was Baker Mayfield. He led the league in total QBR. He was 25 of 33 for 334 passing yards and four touchdowns. He got hit three times, and my goodness, off-play action... The guy is off the charts right now. I mean, I know everyone seems to hate on Baker Mayfield, but let me just blow your mind for a second. Baker Mayfield is actually tied with Russell Wilson in total QBR this season. Yeah, I don't think many people would realize that. They both have a 70, 70.5 total QBR this year. No one would know that. Russell Wilson's getting mentioned for the MVP. Baker Mayfield, people think he needs to be out of the league. It's like, goodness gracious, the guy's playing well. Let's give him some love. Because, yes, his receivers are open. And, yes, they are a run-first style of attack. But Baker Mayfield's making the most of the opportunities he's been afforded. For instance, we know they're a run-first passing attack. Like, it's all predicated off-play action. That's perfectly okay. Well, how about off-play action? Just be at your very best. And that's exactly what Baker Mayfield was on Sunday. He was 9 of 10 for 171 and three touchdowns off-play action. Now, the beauty of this play-action game that the Browns have developed is that it makes it really difficult on opposing defenses when it comes to applying pressure. And he was pressured on only 11% of his dropbacks. That's pretty remarkable. And most quarterbacks are going to play pretty well under those circumstances. The other thing that that play-action passing game is going to create, it's going to create more separation for his wide receivers. They averaged nearly four yards of separation on their targets on Sunday. That's pretty amazing. When you take that into account, he went 17 of 18 for 236 and three touchdowns when targeting, quote, 
open receivers, open receivers being defined as receivers that have at least three yards of separation that set career highs in both yards and touchdowns. So Baker Mayfield is the recipient of this week's gold star. Tell you what, though, there was, uh, I think, a little bit of a difficulty for me because I was so fond of Josh Allen's performance on Monday Night Football that it was, I almost wanted to tear that gold star in half. It was totally done. It was finished. Baker was getting it when I put my head on the pillow on Sunday, and then I watched Josh Allen. (laughs) And he was almost as good, equally good in a lot of ways uh, with the way he was able to carve up the San Francisco 49ers. If you missed it, you can check out our breakdown of Josh Allen on the inside the pocket quarterback spotlight. Uh, We spent really the better part of 20 minutes talking about what he was able to do and break it down play by play and, and just the dominance that he displayed. But what I didn't tell you in the quarterback spotlight was some of the numbers that we've seen so far from Josh Allen. I'm not trying to suggest he's your MVP by any stretch of the imagination. Like, don't worry, I'm not, I'm not going that far. But I think we need to look at his body of work through 12 games compared to the guy that I think he it most resembles in the NFL. I think he most resembles Cam Newton. Like he's big, he's physical, he's got a strong arm. The one difference is that he's more accurate. And if you look at Cam Newton's numbers in 2015 through 12 games, Josh Allen's numbers compare very favorably to Cam Newton. Remember, Cam Newton won the MVP that year. Josh Allen, through 12 games, has 33 touchdowns. Cam Newton had 32. Josh Allen, through 12 games, has 3,400 yards. Cam Newton had nearly 2,800. So he's got 600 more passing yards. He has 12-point higher completion percentage, 70% versus Cam's 58. Rushing yards, you would think Cam has a decisive advantage there, understandably so, and he does. Through 12 games, Cam had 476 rushing yards. Well, Josh Allen's got 322. Take that into account. I mean, if my math serves me right, that's 154 more rushing yards for Cam. Well, that's still nearly 450 less total yards if you add the rushing and passing yards to what Josh Allen currently has through 12 games. And if you take into account interceptions, Cam had 10 through 12 games. Josh Allen had eight. So the numbers stacking up quite favorably for Josh Allen when compared to previous generations of MVPs, Cam Newton being the best example. So I'm very impressed by what he's done. It shouldn't really come as that much of a surprise, but he has really taken the next step this year that I I don't think any of us could have anticipated. The bounce back award. Uh, After what was a pretty dismal showing the week before, he's back in good favor, even though it wasn't the best performance we've seen from Derek Carr this year. Uh, Being able to deliver that 44-yard strike against cover zero at the end of the game, that wins you the bounce back award. Now, it was far from pretty, and if not for Waller's greatness and some catch-and-run opportunities and all this other stuff, Carr was looking like 
things were not really going to go his way. But you're only as good as your last pass, right? I mean, that's really the case. Uh, coming in to that final play, Derek Carr was 0 for 5 on throws that traveled more than 20 yards downfield. The 0 for 5 incompletion number, that's the most incompletions he's had on 20-plus yard passes this year. And he's the only, only the second quarterback in the last 15 years to throw two passing touchdowns against 7-plus rushers from outside the red zone. They had twice blitzed seven against Derek Carr and twice he had big touchdowns. One to Waller on a 38-yard touchdown. That was with one minute and 21 seconds remaining in the first quarter. And then, of course, in the fourth quarter with 13 seconds remaining, they brought seven again, all-out pressure, cover zero. Carr buys a little time within the pocket, goes vertically and hits Henry Ruggs for the 46-yard game-winning touchdown. He gets the bounce-back award. Now, he didn't finish at or near the top in total QBR this week. No, not even close. He finished in the middle of the pack. He was 13th overall. But delivering that throw with your back against the wall is always going to generate a decent amount of buzz, rightfully so. Uh, I thought it was a heck of a throw. A heck of a throw from Derek Carr to preserve the victory and to keep the Jets, quote, defeated if you will. And then if we're going to go back to the Titan up award, it's a little difficult. It's a little difficult because I don't often like to give the Titan up award to a player that actually won the game. So I'm not going to Kirk cousins was going to get it. He actually had the lowest uh, total QBR amongst quarterbacks that won on Sunday but I'm not going to give it to him. Uh, the person I'm going to give it to is Russell Wilson. I mean, we have watched Russell Wilson time and time again this year pull off the miraculous. I mean, he's been incredible. I mean, I, I don't really know what else you want us to say. The guy's had arguably his best season when taking into account everything. But in the last few weeks, he's come back to earth a little bit. Now, it's not all his fault because there's an awful lot of pressure that the Giants were able to apply. They pressured him on 18 of his 56 dropbacks. And that's the 10th time this year where they've had a pressure percentage, the Seahawks have, over the 30%. And Wilson entered Sunday as the highest pressured quarterback in the league. But he just couldn't get anything done. He completed only 46% of his passes and took five sacks when he was pressured. He was 6 of 13 for 36 yards and took five sacks. That's the third time this season he's gotten sacked at least five times. They're 0-3 in those games, by the way. And since Wilson's rookie year in 2012, no quarterback has had more five-sack games than Wilson. He's had 22 of them. You got to give credit to the Giants, but Russell is just not... He doesn't have the magic. He doesn't have the magic that he had earlier in the year. So deserving of the Titan Up Award, I hope he gets it back too, because my goodness, when he's balling out, there's very few guys in the game that are more fun to watch. But his team has lost three out of five and just lost at home to the New York Giants, who were at the time four and seven. So not very good there from the Seattle Seahawks, who are starting to fall out of form 
at the worst possible time. All right, when we come back, we'll talk with Brian Greasy, lead analyst alongside Lewis Riddick, and of course, the play-by-play guy, Steve Levy for Monday Night Football. He'll join us on Inside the Pocket. Welcome back to Inside the Pocket. I'm your host, Greg McElroy. We are so thrilled to be joined by our next guest, Brian Greasy. He's the voice of Monday Night Football. Yes, not Steve Levy. Brian Greasy is the voice (laughs) of Monday Night Football. He is one of the lead analysts alongside Lewis Riddick. Brian, we so appreciate the time, my friend. Man, good to be with you. I love the name of the podcast, too, man. Good to be in the pocket with you. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've I've, I've kind of like to live outside the pocket now, um, but you know, for the sake of this podcast, we'll we'll kind of hang in there um, because I I'm telling you, I I see some of these quarterbacks now. They're getting so mobile, Brian. Like you had a front row ticket to watch Plummer and some of those guys back in the day, like that first generation of guys that can really run. Now everybody can run. Like yeah. everybody can flat out roll. So I guess eventually we might have to change this to inside and outside the pocket as the, <laughs> as it kind of progresses throughout the course of time. Yeah. And I, yeah, I got to see last night, Josh Allen, who's uh, really functioning so well outside the pocket to your point. I mean, um, for a guy that big, you know, at six, five, 240 pounds uh, to be able to run as well as he does, um, and then the fact that he's that fast, when he gets outside the pocket and extends plays, guys can't just automatically come up and try to hit him. Uh, so it, it extends the play, and it gives him more time behind the line of scrimmage to survey the field downfield. And, and that's where a lot of his success came last night with Cole Beasley was you know five, six seconds he's holding the ball, and, and there's no DB that can stick with a receiver that long. And it's just put so much pressure on the defense. He, had a great night, man. He, he's so much fun to watch. And I'm, I got to be honest, Brian, like you covered him in college. I think you actually called a game out there, if I'm not mistaken. I yeah, can vividly remember. Yeah. I re- y'all wearing your cowboy hats. You look like <laughs> Harry and Lloyd and Dumb and Dumber uh, after they found the million dollars or whatever in the suitcase and they had all the IOUs. They bought that crazy garb. That's what y'all looked like uh, there people in Wyoming. For, people forget how we opened that show, Greg, right? We actually did the open from horseback. It was Levy, <laughs> and myself. Welcome to the, the Mountain West Championship game from horseback. <laughs> well, it's not that uh, I just have selective memory, I guess, when it comes to that. The thought of Levy, uh, the Long Island, New Yorker uh, on horseback is a sight to behold. I'll have to look that one up on YouTube or something. But Oh, yeah. I, no, it was I, definitely city slickers. I, I imagine so. Yeah, you got Boston, Denver, and New York. All three never been on horseback before in their life, but it's all and good. It, and it turned out that McShay was actually allergic to horses, but he didn't tell us until after we did the show. <laughs> well, uh, that's a little less than ideal. You know, nothing better than having allergies going right before you do a big game in cold weather, <laughs> mind you. Uh, in Laramie, Wyoming, but that's a conversation that we'll have to get to down the road for sure. But I, I'm just fascinated because I didn't see it, Brian. Like I liked him coming out. I thought he was a good player. I thought he had natural skills, but I thought he'd take some time. I'm shocked that it's year three. And if you look at his numbers, Brian, like if you look at him, and I did it line by line, stacked up with Cam Newton, who I think that's his comparison. He's Cam Newton, just more accurate. Line by line, 12 games in, you look at Cam Newton's numbers against what Josh Allen's done 12 games in to this year. You take Cam Newton's 2015 year, his MVP year. 
he's better in every category outside of rushing yards. And he's only better. And Cam's only improved only uh, 150 yards better than Josh Allen on the ground. Like it's remarkable line by line, just how much better Josh Allen is statistically than Cam is. So how has this happened so quickly? It's amazing. You know, I think, I think it goes, everybody wanted to talk about the measurables, you know, how, how big he was, the arm strength, how it could run. But what was overlooked was the kid's attitude. You know, yeah. he is a humble kid and nothing was given to him, right? He's at the University of Wyoming for crying out loud. Okay. So nothing was given to him. He came into the league with the attitude. I'm, a, I'm just a piece of clay. Mold me. Teach me. Give me the experiences. Yeah. Have patience with me, right? As I go through and complete 53% of my passes in the first year, like that's below the Mendoza line, okay? Right. So the fact that he has increased each year his completion percentage by 10 points, uh, his touchdown to interception ratio was two to one. Now it's three to one. I mean, you got to give him credit that he is not – he has not arrived in his right. own in his own mind, right? He has not arrived. I thought it was the perfect fit to go to Buffalo with the attitude of the fan base there and Sean McDermott. Brian Dable, being with him for three years and the continuity there has helped. And yeah, now Brandon Bean has built some pieces around him. So uh, I, I understand why you compare him to Cam, but I'll, I'll push back a little bit just to say this. They are completely different throwers of the football. Totally. And I think, I think that... He compares to Cam athletically and how he runs the football, but I would compare more to John Elway with the way that he extends yeah, plays wow. and can fire the ball down the field. That's a pretty good comparison uh, for as far as throwing it, because I, I know what you mean. They're, like you made a throw the other day. Uh, I have it marked. It was like five minutes in the second quarter. Uh, and excuse me, it was 22 seconds left in the first quarter. And he's rolling to his right great movement in the pocket pocket kind of collapses. He escapes. He throws it from his 30 to the opposite 30, like without even trying. And he hits Cole Beasley right on the face mask. Mm -hmm. It's like 40 yard gain. No problem. Cole Beasley had to catch it out of self-defense. That's how hard that ball was coming. I mean, he just flicks his hand and the ball shoots out of it. It's just, it's remarkable. He's got the strongest arm in the league has to be up there. If he's not number one, I don't know who is, yeah. but he's right there in the conversation. Yeah. And I, you know, Quarterback podcast in the pocket. I mean, it's really interesting when you break down his mechanics. Yeah. And I talked to him about it last week. And, um, you know, he had this kind of coding system to look at his body and how it moves. And he realized that the first year he was just using all arm and not really engaging his core and not firing his left hip to really initiate and start the motion. Um, and, and what he said to us was that he's actually become more accurate because he's now more complete in his mechanics and really starting his his motion with that hip firing his core and then allowing the the hand really to just be the mechanism with which the ball is delivered um, and he also said that he's actually got more arm strength and more power because of that so he's more accurate and more powerful and more effective it's a scary thought uh with his upside and ceiling there's no telling where he'll be in the years to come you guys have had some great games on Monday night football uh and and you've seen some of the best quarterbacks. You've seen Mahomes, obviously, uh, that was early, and he put on an absolute clinic against Baltimore. Um, you've seen Tom Brady, uh, not his best day at the office a couple weeks ago against the Rams. You saw Russell Wilson just last week and what was kind of a ho-hum performance against Philly. But who outside of what you saw 
from Josh Allen last night, who do you think has been the best in performance on Monday Night Football that you've seen up close this year? Uh, well, Mahomes, I mean, uh, I know that we <laughs> and, and Bill's Mafia wanted us to, you know, put uh, Josh Allen right back in the MVP race. And I, I said, man, I, <laughs> I, I, I know you. it's convenient not to watch the Kansas City games, but uh, I, I just refuse to look past the way that Mahomes is playing because uh, it really is uh, pretty amazing. Um, so by far, he, he's the best. You know, we had the matchup with him against Lamar and we were so excited to watch Lamar play. And we've got Lamar again this weekend against the right. Browns and really excited about that matchup. Um, but Lamar didn't, didn't have his best day and he hasn't had his best year. Right. Uh, and it's, I, it's been interesting. I'm looking forward to diving into how defenses are playing him differently since we saw him last. Um, but uh, I'm actually looking forward to, to, to seeing Baker. Um, you know, yeah. so many people have had so many opinions about Baker Mayfield and, what a job that Kevin Stefanski has done in giving him structure and that offense, that West coast offense where you're going to run the football and run play action nakeds off of it takes a lot of pressure off the quarterback. I think you mm. saw, you know, Baker Mayfield for the first time really feel comfortable uh, dropping back and throwing the football uh, and against Tennessee. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them both this weekend. Hey, he got the gold star of the week for me this week, man. I think Baker takes more heat and he brings it on himself. Like, I'm not going to try to sit here and say he's not brash. He's not arrogant. If he's not your guy, you probably hate him. But if he is your guy, you love him. And I'm telling you, man, he's playing his tail off. Now, in fairness, he had more separation. His receivers statistically next gen stats or whatnot. He had more separation amongst his wide receivers than anybody else in the NFL this weekend. That's not his fault. <laughs> the guy's going to the right place with it. And I think he's doing a heck of a job. So I think you got a heck of a matchup next week when Baltimore uh, tries to continue their upward ascent back into the playoff mix and they take on Cleveland at home. Uh, that'll be at eight fifteen Eastern T Eastern time from Cleveland. One other performance that I did want to ask you about, you saw, um, you saw Flacco a couple weeks back when watching the New York Jets and, and they had almost won the game, the Patriots and Cam had to kind of put together a pretty remarkable comeback there at the end. How the Jets took one minute and 23 seconds off the clock in the fourth quarter still amazes me. But I know in the days leading up to that game, you probably watched some Sam Darnold. Uh, I haven't asked anyone about Sam Darnold this year, but I feel like you might be the best person because you covered him in college and you have now watched him in the NFL. What's wrong with Sam Darnold? Or if nothing's wrong, is it just he's in need of a new destination? Like, what? how do we fix this guy? Because I loved him coming out. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, And I think one of the things that we loved, or a couple of things that we loved about him coming out were that kind of like I just talked about with Josh Allen, his attitude, right? He, the, yeah. It wasn't about, even though he played at USC and the bright lights, that was not this kid, right? He was down to earth just wanted to be around the guys was going to be, you know, that, that kind of quarterback that the whole team rallies around and they want to play hard for him. Right. Um, that's what I loved about him. And then his athletic ability, he wasn't a great thrower of the football. He's not Josh Allen. You know, he, he, he's serviceable and had a good enough arm, but it wasn't going to blow you away. Um, he goes to a team that's not good, Greg. I mean, like they're not protecting him and, and, right. and they're not very good around. Him, uh, they get down in games, and then then you got to throw the ball every snap. He's getting his head knocked off. So, you know, I I don't think that he's broken. 
he's certainly not broken to the point of Carson Wentz, but it is a similar situation. Um, and I think, uh, and I experienced this in my career, sometimes going to a different destination is the best thing for a young quarterback. And uh, I look at, I look at some of the coaches out there like Kyle Shanahan, for instance, right? Kyle Shanahan would probably give anything to have Sam Darnold. And if yeah. he had Sam Darnold in that system, they would be a, a heck of a lot better. Um, yeah. So uh, the contract is prohibitive and all of those things. But um, I, I think that he's going to be one of those that uh, when he gets to that next destination and has a clean slate and has a little bit more of a supporting cast around him and a good play caller, I think he's going to be fine. I, I really hope so. And uh, the reason why I ask is I'm actually transitioning to the next place. And you just saw him last night. We asked about Buffalo and Josh Allen, but then we'll get you out of here on this San Francisco. I, first of all, I think Nick Mullins is a pretty good player. I don't think he's a starter, at least at this point of his development. There's still a few things that he, I thought you summed it up beautifully last night on the telecast. You said he's a good player. He's just not a great player. And that's, I think that's a very fair, very fair assessment of where he's at right now. In, in his development, I like him and he might be a guy down the road, but I don't think he's ever going to take San Fran to the next level. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has had his fair share of struggles when it comes to injuries this year as well. What does San Francisco need to do with the position? Because Shanahan, I don't respect many people in the league more than I respect him when it comes to helping quarterbacks reach their potential. You know, I think it's, it's really interesting. Um, and, and doing the work last week and diving into it, um, I think a couple of things stood out. Jimmy Garoppolo is twice the athlete that Nick Mullins is. But Nick Mullins probably processes information better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and that's important to, to understand. Garoppolo has the respect of the team. Remember, he's a former linebacker, and he's got that mentality. He's best buddies with Kittle. Uh, and that team will play hard for Jimmy Garoppolo, but, but Jimmy Garoppolo is not that processor at the quarterback position. He's more of a field player and, and he's a, and he's a great athlete. Now he's been hurt. So his mobility is not what it used to be. Right. And in that offense, you need a quarterback that can get out on the edge in all the boot game um, and be mobile. Um, so to me, San Francisco is kind of in between a rock and a hard place here because they like Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not sure they love Jimmy Garoppolo. And his contract is not prohibitive for them to move on. They, the guaranteed money is already out the door, right? And so if they wanted to make a change, they could do it. Um, I think they're going to take a long, hard look in the offseason. The question is, with the salary cap coming down, who are they going to go get and be able to afford? They're almost stuck and relegated to going to draft because that's the most economical way. Uh, but they certainly need to address the position. There's no question. Yeah, hopefully they'll be able to. Brian, I can't tell you how much we appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. And we so appreciate all the great work that you and Steve and, of course, Lewis are doing along with Lisa every single Monday night, man. It's been a joy to watch, and we know you guys will finish extremely strong. Just three more weeks, man. We're almost to the end here. I know. It's unbelievable. Can we, can we get there? Can we get all these games in? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm bummed, man. Ohio State, Michigan's not going off this week. Although maybe, maybe it's a mercy rule. Cause we probably would have lost by 60. <laughs> I, uh, I think you guys were underdogs by like 30 points. I probably would have laid the points. Uh, <laughs> yeah. if I'm going to be real honest <laughs> just, and, and laughed and yeah, I would have felt good about it. Um, to be totally honest, man. Well, best of luck to your Wolverines and we look forward to watching you guys next week. 
when you are on the call for the Ravens and the Browns. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Anytime. That'll do it for us here at Inside the Pocket. Thanks to Brian Greasy and our wonderful producer, Andrew Emmer. I'm Greg McElroy. We look forward to being back with you next week. Remember, you can download Inside the Pocket wherever you get your podcasts, and you can always get us at the SiriusXM app. SiriusXM Podcasts.